This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, hello, all you lovely Laravelians out there. This is episode 202 of the Laravel News Podcast. It is October 17th in the US. It is October 18th in Aussie land, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us. Back for another episode. We've got, you know, I there was a couple of things as I was doing the show notes. I didn't know if they went under tutorials or packages because some of them are tutorials about how to use packages. <laughs> like, for example, how to build a sitemap in your Laravel app with Spassy sitemap, right? So it's like, it's the how-to, but it's also the package. Mm. So which one is it? Mm. A little from column A, a little from Things column Things that make B. you say, hmm, exactly, mm. exactly. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's, it's, nobody really pays attention to the categories anyway. No. Hey, by the way, I think maybe you do all the show notes and you do all that amazing stuff. I think that it looks really cool when in the podcast um, app, there's like album art for the particular single episodes because it takes up like the whole thing and it Mm -hmm. looks super cool. I might just have to like play with Dolly or, uh, you know, one of those uh, mid journey or something and like start generating some art for our uh, episodes. I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. Something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of fun. And then, then we have to just change. We we just then just have to change our uh, music, our intro music, and we'll be all set. <laughs> are we are we overdue? I we? mean, literally, how long we're we're do that? We're we're due now. How long has that thing been? It's been like that for at least three years. I at think, least, probably yeah, more than that. I think it's basically since since forever. I think I don't think it's ever been changed. Yeah, it's, and no, it it hasn't. And it's like it's that same sort of lady news lady that says like you're home for laravel news right. packages tutorials and more blah, that blah, 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 that's a that's a fiver that one that, i mean and that's the it's same that's the same lady it was a that did the intro fiver. yeah no no it was for fiver that's when the eric, that's the same lady that did the 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 previous like when eric and um jack eric were doing and, uh what's his name jack yeah. through yeah jack exactly not to be confused with Jack McDade. Not Jack, Jack McDade never did this podcast. Just no. Jack Frew. Anyway. Okay. Well, shall we get into it? Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. Let's do it. Laravel 10.26. Okay. Here we go, folks. Laravel 10.26 was uh, released on, let's see. It looks like it was uh, October 9th, maybe. October 9th was a Monday. October 10th was a Tuesday. So I'm guessing, I don't know. Maybe this was for the, I don't know. Maybe this one was actually released on the third. doesn't matter. Anyway, 10.26, the Laravel team released 10.26 with a search feature for the artisan vendor publish command, uh, array cache expiration updates, and more. So this was a bit of a smaller release, uh, but we did get this uh, vendor publish update that makes finding providers and tags a breeze. Laravel also saw some fixes and a few reverts, leading us to Laravel 10.26.2. Thanks for all the contributions from Laravel team and the community. Let's start with the searching on the vendor publish prompt. So... Jess Acha contributed the filtering vendor publish command that allows you to quickly search for providers and tags that you would like to publish. You can also select all providers and tags from the dropdown. So let's let's give a little bit of context here. So, you know, sometimes you install a package and it has items that need to be published 
with that package. So maybe it's migrations, maybe it's views, maybe some of them are optional, maybe some of them are required, right? So in the case of views, for example, right, maybe it ships with some default views, but if you'd like to extend them and modify them yourself, then you need to do vendor, publish, and then they have the different tags and providers that you can select from. Depending on how many packages you have installed, there can be quite a few of them. So instead of making you uh, go search through the documentation and copy and paste from the uh, readme, you can just sort of do a fuzzy search here and say, uh, what, what ones are we looking for? So if you installed a package related to mail, maybe you just type in mail. And what this will do is pull up all the uh, providers or tags that match that search. So mm -hmm. that's really nice. So thank you, Jess Archer. And uh, uses that new um, prompt stuff mm -hmm. that she created as well. So it looks really, really nice. Just, just for context, even if you're not on this version of Laravel yet, You've always been able to do artisan vendor publish. The problem is when you've got a lot of packages mm -hmm. yep. and a lot of them are publishing and stuff, you just end up with this multi-screen of scrolling that you've got to do and you've got to work your way right. back up to the top to find the number of the of the one that you want to do. So being able to fuzzy find on that now is going to be much, much simpler, much nicer. Very nice. Yes, indeed. All right, 10.25, Tim McDonald contributed an update to ensure that cache, the array cache driver values would expire at the expiry time. However, there were some testing issues around this update. So they were reverted. And now in Laravel 10.26, those issues are all sorted out. So we got them back. So I encourage you to update to the latest Laravel 10.26 version if you notice any array cache driver flakiness. And thanks to Tim for sorting that all out. I'm interested to dig into this one a little bit. Um, I've always used like the array cache driver if I'm doing my testing. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed at some points, sometimes I was getting, I think, I think it was just like expiration things where it wouldn't maybe garbage collect them at the, at the point at which it was supposed to. And so I'd get stale session values. Hmm. So I don't know, maybe, I mean, it sounds like his original contribution was to make sure that the values expired at the expiry time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now it's actually working. Yeah, is I think that was the question. Some of the discussion that I saw around it is, does it expire like at that time? or the first tick past that time, is the thing valid uh, up to and including that second or that moment? Sure. Okay. Or is it the the moment immediately following that? You know, is it zero the zero of the yep. second or is it the zero zero one of the second right. kind of thing? So is depending it, is it good until or is it expires at? Right. Right? Is it valid until or is it expires at? Yeah, yeah, we literally had the same discussion a couple of days ago on something. It was like, what? which one is it? You got to be specific here. Yeah. And then you've got to so, be consistent. Yep. Yeah. Then you got to be consistent. Exactly right. And so you got to, you know, naming, naming is important. Uh, signaling kind of what it is you're doing. That's it for 10.26. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you can find change notes and all that on uh, GitHub or in the show notes here. Yeah. All right. On with the show. All right. Laravel Breeze, which is the it's one of the starter kit options for the Laravel framework, has a new template option, which is released by the Laravel team, and it gives us support for Livewire and the Vault functional stack for Breeze, uh, which increases the Breeze offering to six stack variations, offering a tremendous amount of mm. freedom to stacks that are emerging in the Laravel ecosystem. So you have a choice now when you're building your application. Do you want to just use vanilla Blade? Do you want to use LiveWire with the Vault Class API or the Vault Functional API? Do you want to use Inertia with the React or Vue? Or do you just want an API only installation? Um, so we've got some instructions here on how to get started with a new project, including some of the options. So you can say, I want to use Pest instead of PHP Unit. I want to use Breeze. I want to initialize a Git repo. I want to have 
or dark styles for my templates um, and then which stack you want to use. Uh, so this is all included as part of the Laravel installer, which you can often have installed as part of your Composer global dependencies. And then you just do a Laravel new project and off you go. Um, and now it's using the Laravel prompts as well. So you've got a, a selection menu there. If you just do Artisan Breeze install, it will ask you which Breeze stack you'd like to install. But if you'd like to learn more about uh, Vault, Jason Beggs wrote a tutorial on Laravel news going through uh, learning Livewire version 3 and Vault and Folio to build a podcast player, which we've spoken about on the show previously. But we'll have links to all of that for you in the show notes. Absolutely. Speaking of shiny and new toys, Bolt SQL is a brand new database client from the makers of Table Plus. So I used SQL Pro a long time ago. I think that was like my first one that I really fell in love with was SQL Pro. And mm-hmm. it was great. Worked worked wonderful for, for a long time. Don't know why I ended up switching to Table Plus. I think there was something going on with SQL Pro where it wasn't compatible with something, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. In any case, I switched to Table Plus and have been using Table Plus happily ever since. So love Table Plus. Just literally rebought my license today to get updates for another year. But Bolt SQL is their new toy. So why? Why are we doing this, right? What What is it that could be so special about Bolt SQL that you need to switch over to it from Table Plus? Let's talk about some of the changes here. So this new client focuses on speed and cloud integration so that you can easily share your setup across machines or with your team, right? We know this, this process where you have a new developer comes on the team. And now you have to sort of like either export and then dump your sort of connections to them, to the dev databases and that, that sort of stuff. And so this, this is aiming to make that process a bit easier. So Eric wrote this one and here, here is his own words, right? As a diehard Table Plus user, I was excited to see this beta and notice the speed as soon as I exported and imported data into it. Both felt instant. It's not 100% feature complete with Table Plus, but I imagine it'll be pretty close once they finish the beta. So here are some of the differences and the features of this new app. So Table Plus mainly focuses on native experience and a fast interaction with the GUI. Uh, it runs completely on your machine and all the data is stored locally right there on your machine. But Bolt SQL moves to the cloud. This allows you new features like configuration syncing on all users' devices, real-time collaboration, right? So if you've ever done this where you have like a document you're collaborating on and you can kind of see each user moving around, you can do that now with Bolt SQL. You can kind of all be looking at a query and modifying things together, looking at the records that are being returned. uh, So you can uh, collaborate on these things. You can share charts and reports and it has AI integration coming in the future. Ah, there it is. That's what they needed, right? (laughs) They had to have a place where they could throw the AI in. And so this is where that's going to come in. It's got... It's apparently it's really fr- really really fast. It's a friendly GUI tool. They cherry picked the features that you use the most and made them easy to access. Top priorities in performance security. The top priorities are performance, security, and privacy. Okay, so yeah, let, let me the real time collaboration. Shared workspaces is an interesting one. So you can have a workspace set up and then you can send an invite to that workspace and say, hey, this is the connection I have set up. I want to share this workspace with a particular group, right? So you could have a, a couple of different, different connections set up and share those across uh, the groups so that they can all get that, all the data on their devices so you can work together anywhere. Uh, it also uses end-to-end encryption so no one can access it without that private key just to you know, put you, uh, you know, databases are a pretty uh, important one. So want to make sure that we have those locked down. Uh, they've, they've accounted for that. 
Uh, it also has charting, which is not something I believe that Table Plus has. So you can generate bar or line charts from your queries to allow you to easily visualize that data. There's also more features that are coming. Uh, obviously, like I said before, this isn't beta, but here are some of the things like integrating integrating chat and GPT and other large language models to improve the auto suggestions. This is really cool, right? If it, if it knows the structure of your table and then you say, I'm looking for this, right? It can sort of write a query for you, which is pretty cool. Uh, it can support more charts and have a dashboard builder. So you could share, I'm assuming, you know, just like you're sharing these workspaces with your team members, you could probably share those charts and those dashboards with people on your team who are key stakeholders who need to be able to have that information to make decisions. Uh, it'll support advanced filters for the table view, add table structure index for and key editors, and it'll also support more database drivers like DuckDB, Redis, and more. So you can try it for free on the basic plan right now because it's in beta. It doesn't include any of those cloud features. But they also include an early bird coupon at the top bar header of the site for 50% off if you want to buy it right now. So you can check it out at BoltSQL, B-O-L-T-S-Q-L.com. Mm. I'm not, I, I saw this the other day and thought it was pretty cool and I shared it with a few people, but I'm not sure that like multiplayer SQL is something that I'm going to do. And I think as <laughs> Laravel the production database, yeah, I think as as Laravel developers, it is probably even more uncommon that we would be writing a lot of manual SQL in general. You know, because we're using Eloquent, or you know, there are people that are using Doctrine or whatever else. I think it's uncommon for for a lot of apps that that I've seen at least, and conversations that I've seen people have about their apps to to do it. So it's it's interesting. I don't know that you know, being able to share some stuff between computers, but normally it's personal and, and work. So I'm not sharing those kinds of connections between devices yeah. anyway. So it's interesting. I don't, I don't think I'm going to use it. Um, and I don't think any yeah. of the stuff is local either. Like you've got to provide a, a secret key to encrypt your connection data and things like that. So I assume it's all, all saved, you know, somewhere. In the cloud. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, how yeah, much, which sounds how a little much, bit scary. Yeah, especially, you know, if you've got PII, you know, if you're SOC or ISO certified, those kind of things maybe, right. you know, you've got to get those things, you know, vendor approved and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. It, it certainly yeah, I looks think, interesting. I think some of the things that that could be cool would be that that AI stuff, AI, just chat GPT. Yeah. Those, those auto suggestions, right? So... Again, I agree with you that like I'm not typically writing a bunch of manual SQL queries. However, there are times where I just need to pull a report for somebody. Somebody's asking like, "Hey, can you grab this stuff for me? You know, I need to know this this thing." Mm. And it's like, yeah, I can literally. Most of the time, it's in Table Plus. I just throw it in there, and no big deal. But on occasion, I'll have to be like, okay, how do I do this where I get the latest of a collection of items that share the same category? Like, I need to get the most recent one. You know what I mean? whatever yeah. and it's like i always have to look it up again so having some of the uh chat gpt auto suggestion stuff built in would be cool and then if it's faster it sounds like it's faster mm. is, is part of what they're trying to do then i would be down for that too i do have to sometimes import or export you know large chunks of of data and so if it was faster i mean maybe mm. I, I don't know i might give it a shot I, I, don't, I don't i don't foresee myself going over to it but right you know yeah i've said that before so <laughs> cool the last bit of news that we have here is the ability to run tests in VS Code using the better PHP unit extension. So if you've been using VS Code for a long time, 
and you've been around the traps and you know who Caleb Porzio is, he wrote a test runner for VS Code called Better PHP Unit. And as of the last week or so at the time of this recording, the plugin now supports running P- uh, PEST PHP test thanks to a contribution from Joe Dixon and from the plugin author, Caleb. Joe dug into the issue and decided it'd make more sense to just add PEST support to Better PHP Unit and worked with Caleb to make this happen. So Better PHP Unit will now automatically run your PHP Unit and PEST test. So it will detect which you've got, and then you can use your existing plugin, your existing keyboard shortcuts to run the nearest test, the nearest test file, or the whole suite from within your Visual Studio Code editor. So we'll have links to all of that in the show notes for you. Very nice. All right, well, that wraps up the news section. So let's move on to the packages and developer tools. And uh, no show would be complete without at least a few mentions of a Spassi package. And so let's go ahead and mention our first one now. So this is not a new package. This one has been around for a while. I'm using this in one of our projects. Uh, But the package allows you to configure and display a schedule of open hours for your business in PHP. So opening hours is a PHP package by Spassi to query and format a set of business operating hours. So you can use it to present the times per day uh, that you're open and then include exceptions for things like holidays and weekends or given year specific dates uh, of recurring or happening things each year that you, you're not open on. Uh, so the project readme has a couple examples to illustrate how you can configure hours. So you can say Monday, we're open from this time to this time, Tuesday, this time to this time. And it's just a simple array, right? So you just say opening hours. Oh, what was the word that we were going to use for dub colon? Dodop. Dodop. Thank you. I can't even remember it. I'm going to have to write this down. Opening hours, dodop, create. So double colon, create. And then, you know, you pass an array of Monday, here are the hours. Tuesday, here are the hours. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, here are the hours. And then you have an exceptions array. And the exceptions array says except for... And then you can specify a date and that date can then have its own hours. So you can say like on this day, we're only open from eight to noon rather than our normal hours. Or you can say on this day, we're not open at all, right? So if you specify the year, it will it will only do it for that year. But if you leave off the year and just specify the month and the day, it will recur every year. So like on the 1st of January, we're not open. It's New Year's Day. On the 25th of December, we're not open because it's it's Christmas, whatever. So then you can use it to say something like, hey, opening hours, give me my current open range for the day today. And then it'll it'll give you that, that list of hours. Now, the reason why we use this is we allow people to schedule a callback. So if, if they go to our website and they don't want to call us or something, they can or they're at work and they need a callback later, they can say schedule a callback. Well, what that allows me to do is I can say, what are my open hours for today? Or if I have no more available open hours today, what's my next day that I have open hours? And then I can query this this list of hours and get that. So it's really nice. Instead of having to create your own, it's already been created. It's already tested. Uh, So Spassi opening hours is that project, uh, that package. So there you go. Thanks, Paul Redmond, for writing that one up. Everyone's favorite human. Lovely. PHP Desktop and Mobile User Agent Parser. This is a package from Jen Segers, and it is a package that will parse the desktop or mobile user agent with support for Laravel based on the mobile detect platform. You can use this package in any PHP application, and it also provides a Laravel service provider, which gives you a service facade. This allows you to do checks such as agent is Firefox or agent is phone. It provides 
magic methods. So you can just say magic is Firefox. Uh, sorry, you can say agent is Firefox or agent is iPhone. You can check device types using the agent is desktop, is mobile, tablet, phone, etc. And you can even check the languages. So this is if you've ever wanted to do any analytics or any kind of checking based on the user agent reported by the browser or mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. I suppose, the HTTP client that is connecting to your application. It'll, instead of doing all that parsing yourself, splitting out all of the bits and pieces, yeah. you can use this um, agent package. You can detect if a user agent is a, is perceived to be a robot um, and you can check the device type, the platform and the browser. So if you're wanting to record any analytics or data about your users, if you're wanting to you know, do it for tracking of bugs and things like that, if you're not using something like Honey Badger um, or Sentry or, or what, it, what have you to, to do that, then you can do all of this kind of stuff within your application. So check that out. If you've had to do any of that stuff yourself, it's always nice to kind of offload some of that functionality out you know, to a discrete package rather than having to build it and maintain it as part of your own application. Yeah, I remember when we were building something out and we were sort of curating some of our own analytics, uh, we were using the is desktop, is mobile, is tablet, is phone uh, stuff to say, oh, we had this many visits from mobile devices and this many visits from desktops mm-hmm. and this many visits from tablets, whatever. And so, um, yeah, it was it's really helpful for that. And it is pretty accurate. They do a good job of of keeping it up to date. So it's, it's a good one. I've used it before for sure. Okay, what else do we have here? There we go. Tomato PHP. I saw this one a little while ago. Hmm. And so let's let's talk about this. So what is tomato? Tomato, tomato. Which one, Michael? Tomato. Is it tomato? tomato. Is that what you call it? Yeah. That's actually what you call it, tomato. 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 Okay. <laughs> but but we say potato, which is, you know, we don't say potato. Potato, yeah. potato, potato tomato. Yeah. Potato, tomato. That's it. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> so tomato, if you're an Aussie uh, Aussie folk or tomato, or maybe, I mean, heck, maybe Americans call it tomato too sometimes. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not sure. Tomato PHP is a new, new tool that is built on Laravel and Splayed. Now, Splayed, I think we've talked about before as well. Single page applications with Laravel Blade. Well, that makes sense. S-P-L-A-D. L, right. It's Splayed. S-P-A, but Blade. Yeah. S-P, Splade, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Splade panel, creating dashboards using Laravel, Splade, and Jetstream. Uh, so intuitive S-P-A building features. Okay, so that's what it is, right? Noob tool built on Laravel and Splade with a ton of plugins and helpers to help you build your app. So here are some of the features that Tomato PHP include. It's an S-P-A with Blade. That's the Splade part. It has a CRUD generator. Uh, that gives you a both a web interface, but also an API. It supports a HMVC architecture, has authentication and user management, has a responsive UI and uses uh, the filament template to provide that for you, has right to left and dark mode support. It has a breeze, the breeze toolkit built in as well. And then it has Arabic and English translations and an easy-to-use menu with providers. So some of the plugins include like a CRM, API, forms, notifications, roles, settings, wallet logs, and many more things. So if you're looking for something that comes with a lot of batteries included, check out Tomato PHP. Eric Barnes wrote this one up. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take his word for it that this one is worth checking out. And go check, check it out. Go take a look at it. For sure. The Laravel Lang Country package is a localization package that provides automatic date formatting, language switching, and more. 
Defining language detection and configuration can be a tedious task, and this package can make it easier to support multiple locales with the following features. It gives you a configurable set of supported languages and countries, automatic detection based on the user's browser settings, middleware to set the locale and country of the user, an optional language switcher UI component, date and time helpers, language helpers, currency helpers, and the ability to store the user's preferred language in the database and more. Uh, so it gives you a little component for the supported languages. You can click on it, it shows a, a flag, and then allows you to pick from the list of you know, all the languages that you've chosen to support. The provided middleware is useful as it will automatically try to detect the user's language preference and country. And then it allows you to provide a fallback locale, which the middleware will set if there is no match between language and country. And finally, the middleware will check if you have translations for the selected locale and set the Laravel application locale to that, loca to that locale if it has been found. And the package also provides date, time, and language helpers that you might find useful. Uh, so it's a nice little, I suppose, augmentation of Laravel's built-in translation functionality, giving you, you know, that extra little bit of source on top to kind of take care of the um, detection and setting of locales so you don't have to build your own components. There are many helpers in the package's official documentation which you can use to find usage and installation instructions. The package does require Laravel 10 and at least PHP 8.1 but they do provide a specific version for older Laravel versions as well. So if that's something that uh, you're interested in or need to provide as part of your application, we'll have links to that for you in the show notes. I got to say, this is a uh, pain in the neck one to have to solve on your own. Yeah. Uh, I, there's been a fair bit of work on this one. I also remember having a debate with some guys on my team as far as whether we should display flags for languages they're like it doesn't make sense to display flags we're doing languages not countries i'm like <laughs> well countries speak languages so it does make sense to use a flag they're like well not everybody in that country speaks that language i'm like i understand that so like so you're gonna have an american flag but there's a spanish-speaking person in america i'm like mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so i don't know i i went back and forth on that but in any case there is a lot of good stuff already baked into baked into this thing and um I could see myself using this actually for a it's a redo of that same app that uh, I was talking about just a moment ago. Uh, we're going to have to redo that. And um, so this might be a good good opportunity to use this. I will also say something I was impressed by the other day. Did you know that in the date? So like if you do input type date, I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so like just a regular HTML input, which thank God we have that, by the way. Now, do you remember back at like jQuery UI days and yeah. you have to like have the little date picker? It would always just like, oh, my gosh, it was such a pain in the neck to get set up. And uh, we don't have to do that anymore. The native okay. date picker just works everywhere. Date it's so time good. And date time. Yep. And I think even date time local. Yeah, exactly. You can do min and max. But the other thing that it does is it'll localize the date formatting. So I was looking at, so Wilbur Powery, who is in Costa Rica, was doing some work on something. I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, we're going to need to change the formatting on the input field because we don't we don't display dates like that. We display dates in month, day, year, not day, month, year. And he's like, oh, sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't, I'll have to see if there's a formatting option. And then I pulled it down locally. I was like, wait, it's month, day, year. I was like, oh, <laughs> it automatically localizes it based on where you're at, right? And so based on yeah. the language or the location that comes in or whatever it is. It automatically localizes. Yeah, it does so it's it for you cool. based Put on the on browser. HTML. Yeah, it does it based on the HTML browser locale, and people. then it it always yep. sends back an ISO date as well. So you always get your month date back, which is nice and uh, nice and simple for you know for processing on the back end. And then the you know as more websites adopt it, 
users get used to it as well because they don't have to look at like the jQuery UI version or the React library or Vue library, whatever yeah. they've used. You yeah. know, they're used to seeing the whatever pops up on their iPhone on every website or or in Safari or Firefox or Chrome. Like it's because it's the same thing. People yeah. get used to it. Exactly. Um, I think we're kind of yeah. still in like an in-betweenish, you know, where people have still got their own design ones and and there are some that yeah, are you because sure. you can't it, I think it's difficult to style these things that you you know, you just expect yeah. that they look like whatever the browser is to and sometimes it's nice to have something that's, you know, representative of your brand and your and your application. I know that like airlines always, you know, they've always got that yeah, Google Flights has an Google awesome Flights, one. Yeah. Flight, yeah. Um, Flights.google.com. You know, if you want to see a really good deep picture. They've probably got a team of 20 engineers that, <laughs> that do that. But, you know, whenever you're exactly. um, booking flights or, you know, if you go to booking.com or doing a hotel, whatever, like they've always got those things. And, that, you know, some of them are better than others. Sometimes, you know, you get the clunky ones where you want to pick a start date and an end date for a range and things like that. And they get a bit, you know, clunky. But it's nice, nice to see that we're kind of standardizing there. Uh, those these things take time, Absolutely. obviously, because you got to get them in all the browsers, and not everyone's on the same page for those. That's right, that's right. Okay, hey, speaking of Splayed, we have a whole article about Splayed. <laughs> so if you did not know what it was before, um, and this is probably why it looked familiar, sounded familiar, is because I've been reading about this a little bit. I didn't read about it; I saw the article come through earlier this week. The article we have here is writing single-page applications using Laravel Splayed. So Paul Redmond wrote this one up. So Laravel Splayed, created by Pascal Balget, is a super easy way to build single-page applications, uh, that's SPA, uh, using Laravel Blade templates. So you can create a modern dynamic web application that's a, a joy to use. That's sort of like their tagline, right? Splayed provides useful blade components that are enhanced with renderless view 3 components out of the box. So you have this link component. So again, this is a Laravel blade link component, but the component itself is enhanced with these renderless view three components. So it provides that SPA like feel, but you can use blade. Uh, and then you can sprinkle in these interactive view components when, when you need to. So um, he shows a, a little art or a little uh, screenshot here where you can see in the default installation, the link components fetch the page data via XHR, so a little Ajax request, and then it, it pops it in there. So you get the SPA feel without these page, these full page reloads. Mm. You can use both blade and view markup. So he has an example here where he shows uh, the toggle component. So you can use vshow right inside of your template there, right mm. inside of your Laravel blade template. You can use that vshow directive, which is from view and a click listener right on that blade specific component. Uh, so then, you, and, and then the nice thing too with that is you can also use like with Laravel, how you use the double curly braces to include values that are coming in from your controller or from whatever it might be, right? That are getting passed into the view. That's sort of a big limitation with view stuff is like, if you're going to use a view component, you have to pass those things in as mm -hmm. props and then render them using, using view. Well, now you can kind of mix and match a little bit. And honestly, as I'm looking at this, it feels a little bit like what you would expect if you were doing live wire or even like mm. vault, right? Like you're, you're getting some of the, the interactivity or the reactivity, but you're still in blade land. So I don't know. Interesting. I've not, I've not I mean, like I said, I don't know a ton about this, but it seems interesting. Yeah. If you need custom view components, Splayed also has your back. You can even utilize uh, server-side rendering to improve improve the performance in your application. 
And if you want to use Laravel Breeze or Jetstream, they already have starter kits for both. So they've they've done the work of converting those to use Splayed uh, in the in, in you know if you're going to pull those in, they've got a Splayed version of them so that you can use this uh, view sort of blade mixture. It also has a couple of types of components out of the box to get you started, like forms, links, events, flash, modals, tables, teleport, toggle, transition, and more. So you can get it started by checking out their homepage and accompanying documentation on splayed.dev. And you can also learn more about how it works in this little explainer uh, doc section that they have under how Splayed works. Uh, so I'll be giving that a little bit of a read later on. Thanks, Paul Redmond, for writing that one up. Excellent. All right. Big big episode for tutorials this week. We have six of them. So we're going to hit the high yeah, notes. They're, like I said, they're sort of like uh, tutorial-ish. But yeah, go tutorials ahead. Tutorials on, on how to use package. Eric's, you know... Our fearless leader, Eric Barnes, is now Indeed. working full-time on Laravel News. So he's putting out a lot of video content. He's putting together a lot of tutorial content. Uh, he's even sharpening his uh, his extreme surprise look for for, <laughs> for his yeah, YouTube thumbnails his YouTube and things like that. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of each of these six, and then we're going to let you go for this episode. But the first one. Leveraging component caching with computed properties in Laravel. The Laravel News homepage has various sections displaying the latest articles, trending articles, and recently covered package, newly released tutorials, and more. Each section fetches its data through computed properties on our homepage component. And as a result, this process causes numerous queries for a single page. So the video that we've included here is Eric showing, the video we've got here is Eric showing how the caching issue was shot was solved. Um, so it handles all the caching using, by the look of things, Laravel Livewire um, in order to to handle that caching for you. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can check that one out. He's also got a tutorial on adding a confirmation dialogue with Livewire. Um, I've always done buttons and, and click events and things like that where you just inline the JavaScript and return a window.confirm because I'm simple like that. And if it's good enough for GitHub, it's good enough for me. But there's a tutorial on that one. There's also a tutorial on how to remove all the extra spaces in a string using Laravel's string helper and this squish method, which is nice. I have used that um, on a number of occasions for work purposes. Yeah, so talk about that just real quick. So, so what is what is that? What does it do? The squish. So squish. If you if you've got like in your database, you're storing say first name, middle name, last name, and these are separate inputs in your application, and you know someone will sometimes like Michael space and then Dorinda, right? And so that when you concatenate these things together, you might like string implode with a space. And then because there was a space entered in first name, you end up with two spaces. So when you then present that back to the user or print it on uh, a PDF yeah. or whatever, you end up with like Michael space space Dorinda. So what squish does yeah. is it will take all of this extraneous space and squish it so that there's only one space there. And it will handle um, new lines, tab characters. You know, sometimes when you copy and paste something out of... Microsoft Word or a Google Doc or whatever it might, you know, bring the new line with it. So you might not notice that that's been saved in there. So String Squish will allow you to kind of make sure that there's only ever one white space character between consecutive like word boundaries. Um, so it's a it's a very handy handy little thing, and it's it's implemented using a regex, so you don't have to worry about figuring out what that is. Um, and then obviously covered and tested by the the framework itself. So it means that if you ever needed to uh, account for some different values 
you know, the framework is there to, to have your back on that. So uh, it is, is a handy one. We use it quite a bit for um, some of our integrations at work, which is good. Yeah, it's very nice. I said six, but we've actually only got four here. So the last four. one. Yep, it's the is, line wrapping. Yeah. Uh, the last one here we've got is building a sitemap in your Laravel app with the Sparsi sitemap package. And this handles basically taking all of your eloquent models that you specify, single files, et cetera, et cetera, generating a sitemap XML file that you can then spit out that, you know, all of your RSS readers and bots and whatever else can crawl that to find out what's there. So I've used the Laravel sitemap package in the past and it is quite a handy thing. Certainly wouldn't want to be implementing all of this stuff by hand. So uh, four tutorials no, not there, not six, uh, but we'll link them all up for you in the show notes. Absolutely, we will. Well, hey, everybody, this was episode 202. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. You can find show notes at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 202. Write us up in your podcatcher of choice. If you liked this episode, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Michael Derrida, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. And uh, of course, if you have any questions, please, please reach out on there. It's the best place to reach us. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. And until next time, folks, we'll see you. Bye.